and then just by way of review, Jude chapter 20. Remember Jude chapter 20 and 20 through 22? That, that, those passages about keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for mercy, building up yourself in the mo most holy faith. Those are amazing boundaries, right? So I just, I, I don't want to spend more time on that because I want to kind of go into a new direction, but keeping yourself in the love of God that, that really we must have boundaries that uh, keep us in that place of being loved, keep us in that place where we're, where we're receiving mercy and keeping us in that place. And this is how we build boundaries is through our faith. Amen. Right. Because what we value is what we're going to do. What we believe is what we're going to tell ourselves. So, boundaries. All right, keeping that which is sacred, very precious. What are some sacred things that you want to you want to protect in your life? What are some sacred things? Okay, my relationship with God. Good. Okay. Did everyone hear that? Okay. <laughs> so I said, any any aspect of the character of God that God is forming in me is something I want to protect. Um, his giving me peace and purity and holiness and whatever other aspect of the identity of Christ that he's forming in me, I want to protect that and let it grow and develop. Good, right? Because there's someone trying to steal it, right? The devil's trying to steal it, right? Revelations chapter 3, guard that which the Lord hath given us, right? Because someone is trying to kill, rob, and destroy not only our, our natural means, but our peace, right? If it costs you your peace, it's too expensive, right? Okay, any, anything else we should protect in our life? Okay, our family, good. What else? What else should we protect? Don't be afraid. Okay, truth. Yes, we want to guard the truth, have boundaries of the truth. Otherwise, we'll be tossed to and fro. Good. What else are we going to, what else are we protecting? Yes, Savannah. Good. Okay, good. Our eyes are going to lead us to a place that's going to shape us eventually. Good. Our, e our eyes lead us. Our, our ears are causing us, to sh they're shaping us, right? So let's be a little bit more practical, which are all very good things you said, but what else are we protecting? What else are we protecting or guarding? How about, how about the relationships in the body, right? A boundary where we could say we will not hear an evil report or, or hear someone speak negatively about another, right? Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, only that which is use of the edifying, right? That's, that's a boundary, right? How about if someone comes up to you and says, well, I got to tell you something about Josh. And it's like, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Let's get Josh over here and, and let's make sure that, that, uh, <laughs> right. Matthew eighteen fifteen, right. We want to honor and protect just our hearts and our, and our ears, right. What else is, what's another thing that we protect? Testimony. Our testimony. Good. Good. Right. Walking before God. How about our relationship with our pastor, right? 
We want to protect that because there are three major things that are going to be attacked in your life. Your relationship with the word, your relationship with your pastor, and the relationship uh, with uh, your your um, pastor, word, and the church, right? You, there will always be a uh, attack against that to, to pull you away from it. Is there anything else? I'm just as a good review, isn't it? Is does this kind of stirring the pot up a little bit? Okay, good. <clears throat> All right, let's look at First John. First John chapter five. I want to kind of go in a new direction, and I, I'm developing that because um, the importance of boundaries is if if we're not careful and we do not live and intentionally. Um, walk with this idea of of what is sacred and what is not sacred. Then it's very possible we could touch something in our in in the world, or touch something, uh, and it releases it releases something that will either damage us or maybe even destroy us. Right, and so we need we need boundaries so that. We um, we don't release another kingdom against us. Okay, so so what do I mean by that is, um, the, and I want to develop this, but I, I need you to catch that one point, and I'll develop it because everything in this earth is kingdom. It's kingdom, right? There's nothing random, right? There's God's kingdom and there's Satan's kingdom. Now the devil knows he cannot take the believer. Because they are eternally secure. But he certainly can kill, rob, and destroy their capacity. They can kill, rob, and destroy their time. And, and they can kill, rob, and destroy their potential future. So when we're thinking about our lives, much more than just a natural living, it's more like kingdom. I want you to think of your life as a kingdom, that you have a kingdom living inside of you. And and you also have a kingdom purpose. There's nothing um, random about just living our life and, and paying our bills and all that is good, but there's such a purpose beyond just the natural understanding. And the devil knows this, and he is looking for the person, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he's seeking whom he may devour because they do not have an understanding of the fear of the Lord and boundaries. I mean, a good example is Samson, right? For Samuel 16, I'm sorry, Judges 16, what happened, to, what happened to Samson? He had boundaries of a Nazarite vow, right? And what did he do? He did the opposite of it, and he, he went against it, and it took everything from him. It took everything from him. And at the end of uh, Samson's life, I love this story. It, it always speaks to me. Here, here's a man who is blind, he is broken, and he's in a place of captivity, and he's pushing a mill wheel around, and he's the laughing stock of the, of the Philistines. And then there's a little boy. I love this story. You can read it. There's a little boy near Samson. We don't, we don't really know where he came from, but Samson prays. And, 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 um, and Samson says to the little boy, put my hands on these pillars. And the, can you just think of this massive guy? I mean, this guy was a big guy, right? And he, puts, he helps put the hands on the pillars, and he asks God for strength. 
And guess what happens? We know what happens. Samson gets his strength back, and he kills more Philistines in his death than in his whole life, right? But it didn't have to happen that way. It had a glorious end, but it didn't have to, it didn't have to end that way in this regard. Samson flirted with, with things that stole from him eventually, and a, another kingdom was unleashed on Samson. And her name was Delilah and other, other types of ladies in his life, right? And I just think with boundaries, if we don't have a healthy uh, fear of the Lord, not just fear, but if we don't have a healthy fear, then we can flirt with something that will steal, rob, and destroy from us. Versus... Psalm 37, we love this passage uh, in Psalm 34, verse 7, I should say. The fear of the Lord God encamps or sets boundaries around the person that fears him. Isn't that good? That's Psalm 34, 7. He, he sets boundaries or his presence defends the one that fears the Lord. Isn't that good? That's the kind of life I want to live, right? The presence of God is the ultimate boundary. It's the ultimate defense, Zechariah 4.2. It is a fire that totally surrounds us and keeps us from being touched by the wicked one. And, and how does First John happen? Well, I want to, I've kind of got ahead of myself here, but the boundaries protect us from ourself because <laughs> we're all capable of doing anything, aren't we? We're insatiable, unknowable, and incurable, right? We've, we've said these things. Uh, in us dwelleth no good thing. So oftentimes ourselves can be our own worst enemy, right? Uh, we said this last week that we can run ragged and try to uh, refresh ourselves maybe in a secular way or in a way that is just is temporary. But God says, I want to revive you and I want to refresh you. Isn't that good? So, so let's look at this in 1 John chapter 5. Um, it says here in verse 18, For we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not habitually, but that he is begotten of God, keepeth himself, keepeth himself. You see that? keepeth himself, pays attention to his, to his personal life, right? And the wicked one touches him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know, this is great, 20 is very powerful, and we know that the Son of God is come, and that hath given us an understanding that we may know what is, that is true, that we are in him that is true, and even in the Son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God, and has eternal life. These are three things that we see. So let's back up a second. How is it that the wicked one can touch us? Well, he can lie to us. He can certainly deceive us. He can certainly confuse us. He can certainly uh, be very persuasive by not knowing the truth and then being able to twist the truth, right? He twists it. And then our discernment is not what it, what it is because, uh, and then we believe something that is close to the truth, but it's, it's not the truth. But how does the wicked one not touch us, right? How does the wicked one not touch us? Well, we keep ourselves. I think that's a very important part. We keep, him, we keep ourselves. And what do we keep ourselves in? Well, verse 20, we keep ourselves in these truths, this understanding that we may know what, 
uh, know him that is true, that we may know him that is true, and that we are in him that is true, and that, 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 in, that he is the true God. Okay? So let me develop something here. Let's look over in Ecclesiastes for a minute. How you doing? Are you with me? Yes. Okay. So I was talking with a brother this week, and he struggles with alcohol, and it's practically destroyed his marriage. And uh, and um, and I said to him, I said, when you drink alcohol, you touch a kingdom. You touch a kingdom. You are literally touching another kingdom. And we developed that conversation because. When, when there are different strongholds in our life, that could be sexual sin too. That's another kingdom advancement that is meant to ensnare and destroy, kill, rob, and destroy. We could say, uh, we could say that sowing discord is also touching another kingdom, right? It's very interesting. If you read um, Psalm chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 6, you see seven things that God hates. And, I, and I'll read it in a minute. But these are all kingdom things that impact us. And God says, my presence will keep you from that. My, the angels of the Lord will encamp you and keep those things that are meant to destroy you and turn them into opportunities for growth, right? But keep yourself, keep yourself in the love of God, right? Mortify your members. Because there's a devil seeking whom he may devour or to swallow up or drink up, right? As it says in 1 Peter. All right, but how does, how does Ecclesiastes 10, 8 happen? Well, he digs a pit and he falls into it. And whosoever breaketh the hedge, a serpent will bite him. He'll be bitten. Now, we're, we're not told that our life will be perfect, but there are times in our lives, I'm sure, that we know that we have drifted out of the will of God and we have become exposed. You ever, you ever been in a place like that? We all know what that feels like, I think, right? When God says one thing, right, Jonah go this way, and Jonah goes, I'm going to go this way, and so God has to orchestrate a fish, right? And isn't that great about the Lord? He will always get us where he wants us to be. <laughs> Just the way may be a little different, right? But our hedge, this is a very interesting principle in the Bible, our hedge of protection that God literally puts a, uh, in camps around us, his presence which protects us from evil, which protects us from unnecessary suffering. Unnecessary suffering. Now, this verse struck me. I've been thinking about it for weeks because when the hedge is broken, when I say no to God and I say yes to myself, my hedge becomes broken. I then begin to step outside, and I can do that because of free will, but God says, okay, I'll let you do that, but you, there will be a consequence that will bite you. Right? We, we see this in Numbers 21, where in the Israelites were complaining, right? And what had happened when they started to complain? Numbers 21, 6. The Lord sent fiery serpents and they began to bite them, right? Now, uh, the only way that they could get out of that is looking away from their bite marks unto the pole, 
right? The brazen serpent. They had to walk back into their hedge for their healing. They had to walk back into their hedge for their protection. They had to walk back into their boundary so that they knew the will of God. And, and, and this, is why, this is why I think there's so much unnecessary suffering in the world. Like somebody might be saying, oh, God's testing me. God might be testing me. Well, he may be testing me or maybe not. Maybe I'm just walking outside of the will of God and, and God is saying, okay, in my love, I'm going to discipline you to turn you around because God disciplines those, God loves those that he disciplines, right? So the hedge is very valuable, this hedge of protection, and we see this in Job 1, Job chapter 1, verse uh, 10. And um, when, so Job chapter 1, verse 10. So just think about that hedge for a minute. Like we have a roof. We have walls around us tonight. We are protected from, from wind. We're protected from uh, the weather. <clears throat> I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you've left your door open? Maybe Pastor Adam has. I don't know. But you left your door open in, a, in, a, in an animal drifts into your house, right? I mean, I don't know if you've had that. That can happen, right? I left my wind, I left my door open in Baltimore and a bird flew in my house, right? It's like if we don't close the door, if if we don't um, you know, close our spirit and close our heart in the right sense, then unwelcomed things may enter. So look at Job 1.10, and as you're turning there, think about this verse, Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Okay, so if I'm not keeping my heart with all diligence, guess what? We are going to start to attract things. Remember we said that last week, we begin to have clutter, right? Mental clutter, physical clutter. Emotional clutter, right? With psychic noise. All these things start to be in our minds and, and we start to be like this hoarder, right? Remember that? Does anybody remember that? We said that last week. Okay. So it's the same principle. If I don't guard my heart, I begin to attract things and things start to stick to me. All right? Things start to stick to me. In Mark 9, it says that demons actually can jump. Right and cause great trouble. Not that we could ever be possessed, but we could have demons actually, without being unchallenged, they can stick and give us a lot of problems. I, I remember, I remember being in Frederick, Maryland, and we were soul winning. And it's always interesting whenever you share your faith, you disturb demons. Which means this: as you begin to initiate a kingdom. And this is my point tonight. We want to relate to ourselves as kingdom believers, like uh, the gospel of the kingdom, right? Revelations 14, 6. We are gospel kingdom preachers, right? It's not just our message, but it's the message of the kingdom. But I remember being in Frederick, Maryland, a little sleepy town, very, very touristy town. We were planting a church there. And I remember talking, I was with Pastor Dennis, and uh, maybe Cabo. Cabo's been with me everywhere. But, but we were talking to this, this little tiny woman. She was a tiny thing. And we started sharing the gospel with her. And uh, I, she, turned, she turned ugly. Like, in, like not physically, but 
she began to, her voice changed, and she goes, we don't want you here. She started talking in third person. She goes, she goes, we don't want you here. You are not welcome here. And I'm not going to go into all the details she said, but I, my, all my hair in my head, you know, my head, but my body started to stand up, and I knew this was a supernatural incurrence. And I, and I just, and Pastor Dennis and I began to talk very directly in love, but right at her. And, uh, and I said, you're not welcome here. We are here and we're going to present Christ and Christ is the God of this area. And we started claiming who Christ was and she literally ran away from us. She literally ran away. I'm not even joking. She literally ran away from us. And uh, so Pastor Dennis and I are just joking and having a good time. But And then 30 minutes later, we were setting up for evangelism. We had the most amazing evangelism in this square. And I believe that we had to kick out this demon so that there would be free course for the gospel to, to have fruit. Because the devil has boundaries, right? And when you walk in with your faith and with your confession of truth, it disturbs and casts out demons. Now, I'm not someone that's looking to cast out demons on, you know, I mean, there's a ministry of that, and that's for those that understand it. But when you present the truth and speak the truth, it is, it is reclaiming territory that the devil has been unchallenged in, right? And this is, this is what's amazing. So we can live in the boundary of truth, communicate truth, and we can have a hedge. The wicked one touches us not. We have more power than he does. Why? Because we're hidden in Christ. We have more power in temptation, not because we're anything uh, that, that we can resist in willpower, but no, we're hiding in the God who has conquered all things, conquered everything, right? So we have this great hedge. All right, let's look at Job 110. Are you all right? You still go with me? Okay, you're, you're such good listeners. It, and this, this is the point, is Satan is answering the Lord and just a very interesting conversation here in verse 9. Uh, Doth Job fear God for not? Like, does he fear you for nothing? Very sarcastic, right? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? You have blessed him the work of his hands and his substance and his, has increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy faith, face. So, um, so, Satan is challenging God to give permission to touch Job physically, emotionally. And we know the, the, the tremendous loss uh, that happens in Job's life. But you have a hedge. And it's called the presence of God in your life. Does God ever leave you or forsake you? No, he doesn't. <clears throat> like one person I remember saying to me, he says, you know, I, I ran away from God. I've been running from God for many years. And I said, it's very difficult to run from an all-present God. If you're running away from him, technically you're running to him because he's everywhere. But he's just waiting for you to stop running. So think about this hedge for a minute. Imagine being uh, in, a, in, a, in a very fortified place. And let's say you're in battle and you're, you're in a bunker and you're in a very fortified area. Now imagine if you left that fortified area and you're standing out there with no defense and you're, you're out there in the middle of the, uh, the, the um, I don't know what you even call it, not the breezeway. Just you're out in the open, you're exposed. You've left your place 
of fortification. You've left your place of protection. What will happen? Inevitably, not if, but when, the devil will definitely go after you or me. For the wicked one wants to touch or he wants to kill, rob, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. So what's my point today? Our po my point is the greatest boundary that we have in our life is the presence of God. That's our greatest boundary. Moses said, I will not go unless you go before me, right? Colossians 3, we are hid in Christ. We are hid in Christ. We are hid in Christ. So if I touch something... Let me show you something interesting here in Colossians. I know I'm jumping around the Bible here. But there's a reason why Colossians chapter 2 says these, this statement, touch not and handle not. It's a very interesting verse, right? Because we can leave our hiding place and be in a place of exposure. And I would dare say that we know when we've stepped outside of God's will or we have stepped outside of God's promise or we've stepped outside of a thinking in faith, right? I have not, uh, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has it entered into the, to the heart of God those things that God has prepared for them that love him. Like we can't get into this place without the Holy Spirit showing us, right? But our natural man... Our naturalness is one that will always want to leave this place of, of fortification, this place of safety, and do it the, the, his own way, in his own strength. Well, verse 21, touch not, taste not, and handle not, right? Uh, the context of this is speaking about legalism, but touch not, Taste not, handle not. This is why Paul said, don't eat the meat of demons, uh, of idols. Why? Because it's been offered to demons, right? Don't, don't touch things that have been contaminated by another kingdom. Let's use alcohol, for example, just because I like to, I want to I just say this, that that is a kingdom that will destroy us. Some people might say, oh, I can handle that. I, I drink in moderation. That's up to your convictions. But my conviction, I have a very strong conviction because in our family, it nearly destroyed our family. And it's a miracle that we're here today, really. But, but when, we touch, when we touch something dedicated to destruction, it will hurt us, right? It will hurt us, right? It's the same thing with, with flirting with any type of sin, right? It's a boundary that's meant to keep us away so it guards what's sacred and it, guard, and, it, and it keeps the toxic at bay. Because the point is, we cannot manage our sin. We cannot do it. So we touch it not, we handle it not, and we taste. We do not taste it, right? So whatever that means, whatever kryptonite in your life, that doesn't have to be alcohol, it could be anything. It could be whatever kryptonite, whatever steals from you, that is a good question. What steals from my life? What is it that's meant to destroy in my life? What is it that, that's meant to rob from my life, right? And it's good to say, I'm going to put a boundary there. I'm going to put a boundary. I'm going to put a nice, just like they do when they're looking for gas lines around your house. They spray that, that neon orange paint, right? So that 
the, the people that come and dig, they don't dig and, and cut through an electrical or gas line, right? It's the same principle. We put margins and say we value the presence of God more than sin for a season. We value the peace of God more than uh, doing it my way. Does that make sense? So touching a kingdom, I, I want to I be, I want it to be what 1 John 5.20 says, the kingdom of truth. Right? And I want to identify any other kingdom. All right, let's go back to Ecclesiastes for a minute. So just to encourage us tonight, um, set up boundaries. How about toxic people? You got anybody in your life like that? Boundary, right? You love them, you pray for them, uh, you know, but toxic people. Because Proverbs says this, you walk with the wise and you will be wise, Right? That's a boundary. I want to have people around me that are going to challenge me to go after God. I want, we had a great men's breakfast, didn't we, Pablo? A couple of us were there. It was like we want to have people in our lives that are challenging us in faith. We don't want to like, kind of like just kind of, uh, what's the word, be a minimalist where we do just the minimal. But we want to lean in and, and we want to have um, things in our life that, that develop us that challenge us and that cause us to dream big, right? So, because there's another kingdom. Now, I'm not saying we're, we're witch hunting tonight looking for the devil under every rock. I'm not saying that, right? But we set up a boundary, right? We set up a boundary. We know, we know that the devil is very wise and he's very patient and he will entice. Remember Proverbs chapter 2, my son, when sinners entice you, do not give consent. Do not go near them, right? Ever have someone entice you? little invitation, come, come, come a little closer, and then you're clobbered, right? You're just clobbered right upside the head, right? Because the naivety or the simpleness is what leads us outside of our boundaries, right? I mean, even coming to church, I mean, this is amazing. You're here on a Wednesday night, right? This is a place of safety. And you know what's amazing? God, God speaks to you um, maybe something that you're in right now, or maybe it's preventative. Maybe what you're hearing tonight you're going to need in the month of January, and you'll be ready. You'll be ready for it. Compared to if we missed it, we would not be ready, right? It's very possible. Uh, but God is very faithful to, uh, to equip us as we seek him. So, I told you to go to Ecclesiastes, but I wanted you to go to Proverbs 6. I'm sorry. Sorry you can't read my mind. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> and then we'll close. Proverbs chapter 6. Look at this. So, I, wanna, I have a kingdom marriage, right? Like my marriage is sacred. It's not for sale, right? Boundaries when I'm alone, right? At night on the internet, or boundaries when um, weird people enter our lives—just weird people. How about when when um, Jezebel comes into our life and tries to seduce, right? Or Ahab, the great manipulator, right? It's like, are do we have things ready? Because in temptation, it's too late to prepare for it, right? But we have boundaries. But anyway, Proverbs six—very interesting verses here. Um, Verse 15, 
calamity happens in these things. Calamity happens suddenly, and there is no remedy. In verse 15, the six things that the Lord hates, seven are an abomination. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that uh, devises... <laughs> I can speak the English language. Deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that he that is swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Okay? What is this saying? These seven things, we need boundaries. We need distance from this, right? Distance. Uh, we work in the world where people may have these narcissistic tendencies, right? But we want to, we can have, we can be with them, but not of them, right? In this sense, where we have healthy boundaries. Somebody says a, a crude joke, I don't have to, I don't have to laugh at a crude joke, right? Or someone uh, uh, um, disgraces a, a woman, it's like, no, I have a boundary where we honor women in, in our hearts, right? Uh, we don't speak evil of our neighbor, right? We, we, our money is used in a wholesome way. We, we, um, I knew I knew a, I knew somebody that lost their house on a roulette table. What happened there? He went home, told his wife, and he lost more than his house. He lost his marriage. He lost his whole family. Right? There's a boundary with gambling. Right? So I know these are kind of extreme examples, but let's set boundaries. Amen. Anything that's gonna, we have to ask ourselves. Is this going to add to my life? Is this going to bring me closer to God? Is this going to tell me more about who God is? Is this, is this going to build family? Is this going to build faith? Is this going to build calling? Is this going to build uh, forward thinking and forward motion? These are, this is a good litmus test, right? Because otherwise, it will bring sudden calamity. And we might say, oh, God, where are you? And God says, I'm over here where I told you to be, right? I'm with you in your, your bed in hell. I'm, I'm with you. But... God, why aren't you speaking to me? Well, obey what I have said, and I will give you the next instru instruction. It's like, God is very, he's a God of order, isn't he? 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says he does things decently and in order. Well, anyway, I don't, I don't want to end on that, because that's not so, um, that's, I want to end on Psalm 34. Okay, are you okay with one more verse? How are you doing out there? Okay, good. I was encouraged studying this because I, I realized that some of my boundaries have been broken. I got a little loosey-goosey in some areas or I got a little uh, careless or I got a little like autopilot. It can happen. And what happens? Autopilot's not supposed to cause you to drift, but autopilot is totally dependent on your bearing. So you want to make sure your bearing's right, right? I like to study airplanes, and so navigation is really a cool thing. But if, you're, if we have strong boundaries, it keeps us in the right place, right? It's 34-7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see what the Lord, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Isn't that good? So where's the presence of God? Well... The presence of God is in us, but it's magnified in the body. It's magnified in the Bible. It's magnified in our meditations. So if the devil is giving you suggestions to pull you away, right, we identify that and we say, no, the wicked one touches me not. I'm not going to be manipulated here, right? Uh, so maybe we can practically talk about what that means in our life, but... 
let's um, let's just and and I know we're doing it like the angel of the Lord encamps, he dwells, he protects, he surrounds, he totally envelops those that fear him. The fear of the Lord. If I was to ask you today, what is the fear of the Lord? Tell me what what that might be. What 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 is the fear of the Lord? Yes. Okay, to respect and be in awe of him. Excellent. What else could it be? That's that's the targeted answer. But what else is it? Yes, good. Yeah, what's another one? Fear of the Lord. Yes, man. Okay, take care of people in our family. Okay, that could be certainly an action of the fear of the Lord. Okay, good. Is fear that fear of torment, or what? What kind? What is that fear? What? It's respect. Ah, yes. It's honor. It's it's guarding that which is sacred. Guard what is sacred in your life, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. So, precious Father, thank you for these words. Help us in time, in all of our times, Lord, uh, to have those paint marks clearly sprayed, so we know where things are. Lord, we don't want to drift. And get um, just get loosey goosey, but we want to really just have our eyes open, our ears open, and we want to operate in the fear of the Lord, in that place of worship, in that place of clarity. And we we just pray that if there are parts in our life, and there are areas in our life where the hedge has been broken into, uh, we pray that you'd fortify them again. By we just agree with you tonight in those areas, and um, just encourage your people. And we pray that you keep the snakes away uh, and the devourer away. We pray that the sudden calamity would be away from us and that you'd prosper your people as we honor you and uh, honor the truth that you've given us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.